All right, we're back. Pleased to be joined by Darren Goldstein. Darren, how you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Uh, thank you for uh, having me on. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Like I said in the intro, uh, I've been following your the MGA standings for, for several years. And if you don't mind, um, I'd love to just talk a little bit about your history in the game of golf because you've obviously, uh, golf wasn't sort of your main sport. You took it up uh, relatively late. Uh, and then you're obviously you're a uh, goal oriented oriented person because when you look at the player of the year standings um, going back from as far as 2012 to um, well where you were in the, you know finished in the hundreds and then uh, finished uh, first in 2018 that's quite the progression going from you know 157 26 5 3 2 1 and and so obviously there's a lot to unpack there uh, and we'll get to that but I'm just kind of curious if you could just give us a little brief history of your introduction to the game of golf, how you got started, and why such a late start. Yeah, so um, I grew up uh, in New York City, so um, and playing uh, tennis was my uh, first sport. Uh, growing up, I played uh, competitively all through juniors, uh, nationally, and then uh, at uh, in college. So um, golf. Uh, I picked up a set of clubs once in a while. Uh, I was, uh, my family was a member out at Noyak. Uh So, uh, growing up, uh, Dave Gajewski, uh, once in a while got me out and, uh, uh, showed me a a couple things. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, never really, uh, never got into it. Uh, my father played a little bit, but, uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't our thing. We were a racket sport family. Right. Um, right. So uh, after college, um, just uh, started working and uh, golf became uh, at first sort of a, a social uh, social aspect of business. There was a lot of outings and um, and I lived by uh, Chelsea Piers. Okay. So it was a little bit easier to uh, after work or with some friends go and hit some golf balls uh, at Chelsea Piers as opposed to going to find someone to go play tennis with. Right. And uh, so just uh, that sort of was the first uh, uh, little taste of it. And then um, actually, you know, I, I sort of started playing one summer, uh, mid, mid 2000s, uh, got into it a little bit more. And I quickly went from like a 14 to a two in about like three months, four months. Wow. And I said, oh, this is, this is, uh, this is like, and I went from never breaking 80 to a shot 75. And then I said, oh, I can actually, this is fun. This is a lot more fun. <laughs> and, uh, and that was sort of the, uh, I was like mid 2000s. I started uh, getting into it and mainly hitting balls at Chelsea Pierce. Really? Uh, like a couple days a week. Yeah. And then uh, wasn't a member of any other club except uh was a family was a member at Noyak. Right. Um, and then uh, in 2010, um, really first started wanting to take it a little more seriously. And uh, the main goal, and I think this uh, this actually comes from my uh, Player of the Year speech at the MGA Awards dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, my main reason for like practicing and getting better, I really wanted to win a, a club championship. Yeah, that was the the goal. I actually was at that dinner, and I I remember you saying that. I was there with Woody Lashin from uh, Pete's Golf, and uh, I remember you saying that. And uh, that's that's pretty funny. That's yeah, that was the uh, that was the main uh, 
the main goal of all of this was to win the Noyak Club Championship. Amazing. That was the uh, that was that was my white whale. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, one thing uh, led to another, and uh, and really, I didn't. The reason I started playing NGA events was to get practice for the stroke play qualifier of oh my, my club God. championship. That's so funny. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So you like basically, well, first of all, let's just talk about the, uh, you know, this is going to be embarrassing for, for a lot of golfers, myself included. I mean, you basically go from, would you say, a 13 or 14 to a 2 just from hitting balls at Chelsea Piers, no lessons, just working on your game. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, there was a little, uh, there was a, a, less, a few lessons in there with, okay. uh, with Dave. And I, and I knew how to hit the golf ball beforehand. I mean, right, I, right, right. I had uh, I'd had a club in my hand at some point every year my whole life. Right. Um, right. Even if it was only two or three rounds a year. Right. But look, that was uh, coming from tennis. Um, the hit, hitting the ball wasn't. Uh, it was that was that wasn't the hard part. It was really learning the game. Right. Uh, right. Learning how to control how to how to control spin how to how to and learned how to play the golf like i didn't have that was actually something that uh, my caddy over the years who was on my bag for basically a decade now uh, kyle moffett um what he was great at was really teaching me the intricacies of scoring and of uh, and of golf i didn't really i guess for a long time it it, it worked as an advantage because I didn't have the years of demons that sure. <laughs> other people <laughs> have developed playing golf over all the years. And now that I've played more, I've probably started, uh, started developing, own, uh, developing some. But yeah. uh, I, I really didn't have sort of that clean slate of um, – of, uh, Well, you didn't have a lot of scar tissue to deal with, and you sort of were just yeah, sort of I, like – you know, you I, were uh, sort of um, – Really like a, like a child being a little bit more sponge-like as opposed to worrying about yes. past experience. Yeah, I go to a, a quick example, which was my first win was in 2013. I won the Long Island Mid-Am yep. and came, uh, I birdied. I was in the final group with Joe Saladino, who yep. luck I've become fr I'm friends with Joe now. But at the time, I think... My, the fact that I didn't know anything worked to my <laughs> to my advantage. I, right. I barely knew who he was. Right. I, was I didn't didn't really think much of it because I just didn't have the. If I knew I was playing with a multi-time MGA champion and one of the, the best golfer on Long Island for a decade, I probably would have been a lot more intimidated. But I sure. didn't really know anything. <laughs> so I birdied the last couple holes. I came to the 18th tee at uh, Cold Spring Harbor. It's OB Woods up the right. Yeah. And a two-shot lead over – I was in the final group with Joe, and I had a two-shot lead over Danny Abandondolo. Yeah. And – uh. Caddy gives me driver. I said, okay. And I was like, all right. I, and I didn't think anything of it. Um, and I hit a good drive up the fairway. And um, one of the LIGA officials um, after the round came up to my caddy and says, I was there on the 18th. How do you give him driver with a two shot lead OB right? And my caddy goes, you can't shank a driver. <laughs> <laughs> and but that was a little bit of the mindset going on. like it was there was no as you said there was just no scar tissue for so many years that uh we were able to play uh loose and 
that as you talked about the rise up the rankings, right, this was uh, it was all new. So there was a there was an element of fun uh, that was a huge driver of uh, of those last uh, six, seven, eight years uh, because all the experiences were new. Every yeah. time we qualified for a new tournament, that was a new experience. Amazing. Uh, first time ever ever played in uh, the Travis or qualified for a USGA event. First time I qualified for the USAM in 2016. And I look back and I qualified at Waikagil. And the other two guys who qualified were Cameron Young and Theo Humphrey. Right. We're both on Corn Ferry Tour right now. Sure. And myself. And I think one of the reasons I wasn't terribly nervous uh, down that stretch at the, the last few holes there was the USAM which I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know enough to be as nervous as I should have been. Right. Well, I mean, to some degree, you're playing with house money. You've never been there before. You don't really, you're not really in a way, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's the perfect mindset because you're, you're, playing like a child you're just playing to have fun you know obviously you're there's some competitiveness you you played competitive tennis and and uh growing up and in college so you know what competition is but what my point is is that uh you were you had the freedom with playing with house money and so uh, i think a lot of people strive to sort of get back to that mindset while they're playing uh whereas you were just living it yeah yeah no it was uh it definitely, uh, definitely, uh, definitely aided, uh, aided many rounds. Did you, um, uh, just jumping back to the, the translation from, and the transition, uh, I should say, from tennis, was there anything, besides the competitive part of it, uh, was there anything that translated? Did you imagine, like, the face of the club, like the racket and sort of how you get overspin, the way you hit a draw, the way you hit a cut. I, I don't um, know. I don't know if you're like how yeah, technical in, of a person in, you are. In short, in short range, in short game shots, for sure. The uh, creating speed at the bottom, um, especially around the greens, mm-hmm. is critical to hitting good short game shots. Yeah, you have to be confident enough to accelerate in a very small window to control the the depth of the the either the steepness or shallowness of the strike um and that comes from that's very very similar i find to sort of volleying in tennis short touch shots mm-hmm. um uh, feeling the ball on the club face is very similar to feeling the ball on the racket mm-hmm. um uh, that, that that the ability to have touch in your hand via something that is three feet away, right? Um, so that was that came very naturally to me. That and putting, mm-hmm. um, putting as well. It's the, the controlling the tempo uh, of the putter through through impact is critical for speed control, right? Um, and that that control is very very similar to a lot of uh, a lot of shots in tennis. So that that was one of the reasons why a lot of things in uh, different parts of the golf game came very easy to me, right. uh, especially putting. Putting was something that um, came very very natural to me. I, I just had a good base there. I feel like from tennis to be able to go onto the greens and. Uh, I find obviously speed control might be hitting your line and then uh, speed control are two of the most important, if not the most important parts of putting 
even almost more so than being able to highly accurately read greens. If you sure. can control your, if you control the line and the pace, you're going to make a lot of putts. And that was something that I was able to do yeah. uh, and came, uh, uh, came pretty quickly. Yeah, and and I would even to take that a little further. I'd probably put a little more emphasis on the pace than I would on the line because you can get away with a little bit, obviously, uh, some margin of error with the line. But if your pace is off, you can leave yourself some really, um, you know, difficult uh, putts, and you know, it could be more, um, you know, cause more uh, damage rather than having just being a little offline for sure. Yeah, for sure. What is, would you say the short game is that then your favorite part of the game because uh, it translated so much you, and the creative part of it nature of it does that appeal to you? Um, I would say uh, I've always liked putting has always been sort of uh, a backbone of a lot of my game. Mm-hmm. I've been able to clean up a lot of bad shots on the greens over the years. Right. Um, that and um, my uh, just in general terms. My dispersion is, which comes from face control. Mm-hmm. I, I just that's and that's really from tennis too. I, I have a one of my strengths is my ability to hit the ball relatively straight. Mm-hmm. I just uh, off the tee, even if I'm having a bad day driving, I'm not uh, I'm not a fairway over. I'm a few yards off. <laughs> right. um, that's a right. that's a. And look, in amateur golf, you need to you need to hit the fairways and you need to make putts. Yeah, you can clean up. You can you can get pretty far with those two things. And uh, being able to drive the ball pretty consistently has been a strength. And uh, and short game and uh, but putting specifically. Yeah, and or and around the greens. Sure. But, uh, well, I would say I hitting would say fairways that. and making putts is pretty much translate at every level of golf uh, for the most part, and it's just the varying degrees of how good, uh, you know, what level you're playing at. You know, you said you mentioned those guys like Theo Humphreys and, and, and Michael Miller and those guys. I mean, it, it's the same thing. It's just on another – it's just the next step, right, the next level. Yeah, yeah. I think a few levels up. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, yes, okay. yes. Uh, but, want, yeah, no, uh, exactly. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about – let's talk about the, the Long Island Open, which I thought, you know, you were the low am, which is fantastic amongst a um, – a pretty, you know, pretty stout. That's a heavy uh, field. Uh, yeah. yeah, pretty stout field with uh, Jason Karen, obviously, who won, and Matt Dobbins and Danny Ballin and Polland and Matt Lowe and, you know, just a bunch of guys who can really, um, Andrew Svoboda, um, lots of uh, heady names, um, uh, even guys who had just came off of playing in major events on the PGA Tour. So, uh, so, so pretty good field. And uh, you ended up being the, the low amateur, um, you know, shooting 72, 68, 72. I, I was just kind of curious what – and end up, I'm sorry, plus uh, two for the – where the leader was uh, T7 leader, uh, Jason, so one at minus five. So um, really not that far off, but uh, T7 uh, for you. Uh, let's talk about Sands Point first of all, uh, in as a as a in general as a golf course, and then the way it played that week. I, I love uh, Sands Point. I think it's great. I don't think it gets enough actually notoriety, but I, I think it's a fantastic cor- course. What, are, what were your thoughts? It's it's a, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um. It was. I had played there once before, maybe ten years ago. Mm-hmm. I I may have played like an Ike qualifier. 
I think in like 2010 or something. Right. Um, but so I didn't really, I, I didn't have a great memory of it. Well, I'm not even um, sure. I'm not even sure it was the same course because they had renovated it around. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. I. So. Yeah. I mean, it was, I was, it was, it was an immaculate shape. Yeah. Um, the greens were so good. They were, they were, they were tight. They were, they were receptive. I mean, if we had had some rain, I think they would have been uh, even firmer uh, if we hadn't had that rain. But mm-hmm. they were they were tight. They rolled great. Fairways were perfect, and the course really set up exactly for the style of golf that I like to mm-hmm. play, mm-hmm. which is um, it's you got to play a lot of chess out there. Is what I like to call it. Yeah, it, it's exactly. very strategic. It's very strategic in nature. You need to hit the ball. You need to control each shot. And those are the courses where over the years I feel like I've, I've had the most success, uh, especially playing in when you're playing in open events, mm-hmm. uh, even more so than amateur events. Um, the courses where every shot matters, and mm-hmm. especially there at Sands Point, uh, no shot is the same. I mean, you have – and uh, there's different pluses and minuses to hitting different shots. I mean, for example, on number three, I hit three different clubs off the tee. Uh, each round, I hit a different club. Really? Um, yeah, just depending on where the pin was and the number that I wanted to have coming in mm-hmm. and where I was in the round uh, after the first round. I mean, it, so that was – I mean, the course is fantastic, and – that what set up well for me just talking about the tournament was after that first round I had my last two rounds pretty well mapped out so I mean I had in my mind uh before I teed it up on the second round um I knew where the wind was from warming up and I knew standing on that first tee I knew every shot I was going to hit off the tee um I had visualized and played through in my head what each club was what shot I wanted to hit and where I was trying to hit it. Didn't end up always. Well, I mean that's. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the, but the, but the plan was the plan was was there. Was in place. Um, was to uh, was to execute uh, each hole as a standalone sort of a standalone entity. Mm-hmm. This is what I wanted to do. This is how I wanted to play one. This is how I wanted to play two. And especially a golf course of that quality with the greens running where they were. And you, I also had in the back of my mind, if you missed a green, you didn't have to be perfect in your short game because you could make putts. You, you, you didn't have to be afraid of eight feet because they were running so good that you could, if you just had the pace or you get it online, you were going to make uh, a lot of putts. I had 53 putts the last two rounds. Wow. Combine, combined. You know, like, and, and that's amazing because, in addition to being really a, a eighteen a, a collection of eighteen great green complexes, those greens in itself are they're not overly complicated. I guess is a good way to say it, but very subtle and very difficult. And so, may, you're right. Getting the line is, uh, I should say, you know, if you have the line, making putts is easy. But finding the right line is not necessarily easy there because there's a lot of subtlety to those greens. Yeah, there's a, there was a lot of putts where we uh, read it from one side, saw it one way, read it from the other side of the hole, saw it another way, yep. got over the ball. 
my feet told me one thing. My eyes were telling me something else. I can't tell you how many times I backed off a putt and said, okay, I got to start this over. I don't yeah. know which way this is going. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, right? It's it's interesting. It's it's interesting how that happens. So how do you commit to that? You know, how do you how do you when you back up? Where do you? I, I when I I'm, I normally go to if I can't tell, I like the read below the hole. Um, I trust that read more so than the one behind the ball. So I rather le- read it from low to high, from the low spot, from behind the hole. Mm-hmm. Um, especially on a downhill putt, so the below the line, if it's a if it's even if it's an uphill putt, I still like the the opposite side read. Um, and then what I normally do is I'll I'll read the putt, I'll pick my the high points or my start line, and then I'll go in and then I'll adjust over the ball fractions. If I feel something in my feet a little bit, and depending on the pace at which I'm going to hit it, if I know it, if it's a right to left putt. And, I feel a little bit more in my feet. I'll add a little bit, but to have to be cognizant of if you're adding, you got to make sure you're not adding on speed as well, because sure. then you're going to miss it high. Right. Um, so um, I just sort of, I, I have my own little tricks in my head that I know if I'm doing one thing, I, I know I need to compensate in another way. If I feel a lot, if I feel that I'm going to, that I want to add in my feet, the next, I go through the Rolodex of, okay, well, now you got to make sure that the speed you were choosing matches that new line. How and, did you, uh, you had mentioned the, um, you mentioned the rain and you mentioned, obviously played a little softer than they would have liked. I know uh, just a little shout out to Rob Gick, the professional there and Pat Ryan, the superintendent there who do, do an amazing job. It wasn't easy, obviously, um, you know, a lot of, go- a lot of uh, only couple of people under par four people under par five people under par and the rest over uh obviously the course was even though it rained and a little soft it wasn't an easy golf course out there what were people struggling with i mean it was it was it was hard to get up i mean those green complexes are tough out there yeah the the rough was up so it's i mean it really there's hole by hole you had you had a risk reward opportunity on almost every hole i guess is the easiest way to uh to describe it you had there was uh, there was a lot of choices and golf courses that have a lot of choices are more difficult um uh, just uh this wasn't a place where you could just go out there and rip it off every tee bunkering necked in on certain holes uh, in landing areas uh, but if you laid back you had to be accurate because if you laid back and missed the fairway coming out of that rough was a little bit wet some of those greens are a little bit elevated from where you're coming in on the tees and look those the greens were i i had a i had a very good feel on the greens but if you were not super sharp mm-hmm. you you could be out there a long time i mean they were they were all of 12 13 those last couple of days i mean they were they were greasy and and uh, and you're coming out of sort of damp, rough, mm-hmm. hard to control the ball. So there was a big premium on hitting greens. The fairways are relatively narrow. They had some. They had two converted par fives, I believe, mm-hmm. or one at least. So you had some holes with some significant length. And uh, and look, it's a it's a premier event on Long Island. I mean, it's a uh, guys. Uh, I, it means something to a lot of people in that event. And yeah. guys are playing for money, playing for a check. The uh, and especially on a course like that, it's not a walk in the park. I mean, right. it sharpens everyone up. And if you're not sharp, it it, it knocks you off. Uh, 
it can knock you off pretty quickly. Did they uh, two things regarding the architecture? Number one, did they play? Number two, the 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 Tilly short, the the little Tilly as we as we as he liked to call them. Uh, did they play the back that that new tee, that extended tee, all three days, or did they move it up a day? No, they played it back uh, back the one just by the second green. They yep. played that each day. They did. They played it back each day. Yeah. Okay. And that tees you up. I mean, it, it's an awkward. You got the, the, the trees up the right a little bit up in the landing area. Plus, you got OB left. Uh, that's a, it's a, for a short hole, I, I, I bogeyed it uh, twice. <laughs> right. I, I didn't, uh, I had a, I had a lot of trouble on that hole. Right. Um, the par three second, did they play the tee there? Isn't that the, isn't, they, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, the, the part three second we played it. I think for the the, I want to say it was the back tee each mm-hmm. day. Okay. Um, it was uh, anywhere from one forty something to one sixty something. Yeah, because that's a new that's a they they put that tee in for that open for the open. That was not always that wasn't there. That's a relatively new box um, that they put in. I think mm-hmm. for the open, it usually plays about one. That hole usually plays about one fifteen, one twenty. Maybe. Yeah, no, they had it. We hit hit seven iron on, yeah. uh, one of the days. So yeah, they headed back all the time. Amazing. Um, are you a, uh, are you a Tilly fan? Yeah. I, I love the way you put yeah, that, uh, yeah. risk reward architecture. Uh, it's really the whole golfers like that. It makes you think, are you a Tilly guy? Do you have a preference for Tilly golf courses or, or is there another architect you prefer? No, I mean, I of the, uh, of the New York style. I love I, the Tilly courses are, are amazing. Um, yeah. we had the Met mid am at Somerset Hills, yeah, uh, a couple weeks earlier, another just amazing course, and obviously, obviously the big uh, wing foot, the back page. Mm-hmm. The uh, I, yeah, I growing up uh, or, or having now played for uh, competitively for a decade or so in uh, in New York. I mean, you play all the best courses, and his name is uh, is, is all over those those top courses. Yeah, I, I like um, that. I also yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Sorry, I was going to say just the uh, you have the other designers, um, sort of on the more modern side, the core Crenshaw mm-hmm. uh, courses mm-hmm. um, are also a very different feel to them, but uh, another great, uh, but pretty great sp- designs with those guys. Yeah, and pretty special. Um, and I, I like their ability to sort of go with what nature. Obviously, they're known for that and. But not all their mm-hmm. golf courses necessarily look the same or play the same. You know, just looking out east, you know, Friars Head is one. And then you have uh, East Hampton as a totally different kind of golf course. Uh, so it's they, they definitely clearly um, core Crenshaw hands, um, some others uh, more, lo- you know, that notable uh, modern golf uh, architects for sure. But uh, I wanted to ask you about, you said the risk-reward architecture and talking about how golf courses that don't that give you a lot of options are 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 the more difficult golf courses. I don't think a lot of people appreciate that statement more than they probably should because I I agree. Uh, the more you have to think out there, the more fun golf becomes, but also the more challenging as well. Yes, I would I would agree. Uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 courses where you can uh, where you have multiple options. Um, most of the time, too, the, the it just adds an element of uh, of strategy and management that mm-hmm. I think is uh, something that I both enjoy, uh, sort of on the intellectual side of the game, sure, as well as the just from a 
I'm not uh, carrying the ball 300 yards. So anything that adds another element that's not distance, uh, <laughs> I'm a fan of. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it adds it adds depth to the experience. And I think, um, you know, I think that's you, a great way of putting it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate your time and all the best going forward. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You got it. That was Darren Goldstein. I uh, love talking to him. And uh, thank you for joining me. And thank you for your support, as always. You're listening to On Par with Anthony Scorcher.